You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Well, our servant practice this week is reach. Reach. And since this is really unclear, I thought I would just start with my own personal definition of what reach means. Let's begin there. My, you can have yours, but my personal definition for reach is the distance between my favorite couch and significance. That's my reach. Let me explain that. Um, Monday night, I'm riding home from work on my bike, looking forward to a night off. Monday night's my night off. I'm, I'm thinking about my couch. It's beautiful, you know, really old, overstuffed, red couch. It's right there in the family room. It's where I read. It's where I snack. It's where I watch movies. I even sleep there sometimes if my wife suggests that. And um, I love this couch. And I'm just envisioning myself collapsing into that couch, eating a little food, and then going to bed early. It's Monday night. Well, my phone rings. It's my wife. And she says, hey, George, just putting something together quick for dinner. We're going to eat. And then I want to go over to the hospital with you to visit a friend of mine who's there. And I said, uh, it's Monday night. <laughs> and, you know, so what, you immediately can see where I'm thinking. I'm thinking about um, the couch. And she goes, George, uh, she's in a really tough spot. I think it'd be very important for us to go over there and, and just spend some time, take some cookies or whatever. And I said, okay. I'm not even thinking, though, about a person who's in a tough spot. I'm thinking about my spot. And this is the distance from, this is what reach is all about. It's the distance between my spot and somebody who's in a tough spot. It's the, dis- the, difference, uh, the distance between my security and my significance. That's what we mean by reach. Getting beyond yourself, crossing a boundary, getting into the life of somebody else that's just beyond your reach. That's the practice this week. This week uh, is our third week in Lent. We're talking about and engaging the practices of a servant. That's what Lent's all about for us. We're doing it as a church. We're doing it in small groups. We began with go. Uh, We discovered that grace is a servant's motive. Go. And then last week, Ken did an incredible job uh, with comfort, uh, because justice is a servant's goal, and we can engage that as we comfort people. And then today, it's reach. We're going to discover the scope, the range of uh, servant's significance, and it can be huge. But I want to begin with a little bit of exercise. You know, we lost an hour of sleep. You look like you need a little exercise this morning. So before we read the text, I want to ask you to stand up. Do this for me if you can. Would you just stand up for a second? Hold out one of your arms as far as you can. That's your reach right there. Right? Hold it out to the side. That's good. Now, this is a little bit dangerous, but I want you to do a 360 with that held out. And I want you to notice if you hit anything. Okay, go ahead. Have some fun with that. <laughs> A little bit of violence, a little bit of violence. It's okay. No one's hurt. No one's hurt. Stay standing. Now, you just drew a circle with your hand. That's your natural circumference. That's your spot. And you know, it's pretty important to us. It's inside that circumference that a lot of life happens. That's our security right there, right? We eat, we sleep, we work all inside of that three foot radius. That's our spot. But I'm but I'm going to, in a moment, introduce you to a man who felt called by God to get beyond his natural circumference, to find his significance. Okay, let's pull out that Bible and open up to Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. It's on page 592 of the Pew Bible. 
This is one of the servant songs of Isaiah. Beautiful passage, huge implications for your life and the purpose of your life. As you uh, read this with me in, in a moment, I want you to look for two things. First of all, notice that God is calling Isaiah to significance beyond his circle. And then the other thing is, notice that Isaiah starts thinking about his mother. Okay, I know that sounds odd, but uh, hang in there. Let's read this passage all together. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. When we're done reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. So that if you believe it, you can say, thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading his holy word. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what you just read never will. Please be seated. Two things for you this morning. And the first is this. Your life is secure. Your life is secure in a mother's reach. Did you notice the preoccupation with mom in this passage? Starts off talking about the womb. In the womb you knew my name. And it finishes up talking about the womb. Uh, Verse 6. In the womb, you formed me to be a servant. What's with mother? I was thinking about this this week, and I uh, remembered an old parable by Henry Now, and I wanted to read it to you. It's a little bit long, but it's a conversation between two twins in a womb. And it's a little bit of a debate about the possibility of life after birth. The sister said to the brother, I believe there is life after birth. Her brother protested vehemently, no, no, this is all there is. This is a dark and cozy place, and we have nothing else to do but cling to the cord that feeds us. The little girl insisted, there must be something more than this dark place. There must be something else, a place with light, where there's freedom to move. Still, she could not convince her twin brother. After some silence, the sister said hesitantly, I have something else to say. And I'm afraid you won't believe that either. But uh, I think there is a mother. 
Her brother became furious. A mother, he shouted. What are you talking about? I've never seen a mother, and neither of you. Who put that idea in your head? As I told you, this place is all we have. Why do you always want more? This is not such a bad place after all. We have all we need, so let's be content. Sister was quite overwhelmed by her brother's response and for a while didn't dare say anything more. But she couldn't let go of her thoughts, and since she had only her twin brother to speak to, she finally said, Don't you feel these squeezes every once in a while? They're quite unpleasant and sometimes even painful. Yes, he answered. What's special about that? Well, the sister said, I think that these squeezes are there to get us ready for another place. Much more beautiful than this. Where we will see our mother's face, face to face. Don't you think that's exciting? The brother didn't answer, which is just like brothers. Why would Isaiah start thinking about a womb? I think it's because it's a place of security. The womb is a place of security. We all came from that place, and he once knew that place, but he's in one no longer, and it remembers his name no more. Isaiah lived in the 8th century B.C., and uh, though his words had particular resonance for people who would live in the 6th century B.C., because in that moment, 587 B.C., uh, the Babylonians would come crashing into Jerusalem, would dismantle the temple, and would take everybody out of their spot, out of their place, uh, haul them back to Babylon, the capital, and uh, leave them there in exile, 70 years. Isaiah, and Israel in particular, in this moment, lives with a sense of abandonment. I'm struck by how often you and I live with a sense of abandonment, without a sense of security in our lives. This week, just this week, I came into work and it started Monday morning. Uh, somebody's sister had died and he was alone now in the world, abandoned. Uh, somebody's father had told his mother, um, I'd rather be free than have a family and left. Abandoned. Somebody else was told by the physician, you need to walk with a walker. And... Um, Kind of an embarrassment. He no longer felt able to be in other people's companies. Felt abandoned. And finally, I came across a man who said, my wife looked at me this morning and told me, I'm done with you. I am done with this marriage. Abandoned. Now, my definition of abandonment is to feel like you are beyond the reach of something. You're beyond the reach of your health that you once had. You're beyond the reach of the impact that you could make at that job you once had. You're beyond the reach of help, of hope, of love, of life, of even God himself. And that's where Isaiah is. If you look in in the text here over at verse 14, Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. This is a dark place. I am beyond the reach even of God. That was Israel's experience in exile. Isaiah understood all about that. And that's why 
through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says in this passage to Israel, no, no, not if I remember anything about my mother. No, you are not forsaken. No, you are not forgotten. God remembers your name. Remember, God knew your name when you were in the womb. Before you existed in this world, before you had your spot, God knew your name. And then we see here in verse, stay here in this uh, verse 15. Look at how Isaiah continues, but this time it's the, the Lord speaking. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. This is amazing. This is written in a, in a traditional, very patriarchal society. And we understand the scripture will frequently speak of God with masculine terms. But here, the Lord identifies himself to Israel in its sense of abandonment as a mother. Can a woman forget her nursing child? See the intimacy? Or show no compassion? By the way, that word compassion uh, basically here means take you back. Could I not take you back? I know you think that this exile is a result of something you did wrong. You failed to trust me. I know you think this exile is the, the result of something somebody else did wrong. The Babylonians came and raided. It doesn't matter to me. I am like a mother who has nursed you into existence. Can I not take you back? Can I not show compassion? You're the child of my womb. No mother would do that. And then, then there's this kind of hesitancy. Well, some will do that, actually. Human mothers, uh, even these, sometimes may forget. Yet I will not forget you. I'm the best of the best of all mothers. Isn't that interesting? You're not beyond my reach. Others may have abandoned you, but I never will. And this is the first point. Your life is secured in a mother's reach. So rest in that grace. You ever go to the amusement park and you see the little plywood man? He's got his hand out to the side at the roller coaster, you know, and it's the very ride. It's always the ride that you want to go on. And you're, it's like a measuring thing, you know, can you, can you measure up to my reach at that? Isaiah's learning that's not what our Lord is like. He's not saying, well, you know what? If you're really good people, if you're worthy of bearing my name, then maybe I would come back. Maybe I would bring you back to a place of security. No. I'm like a mom who fights. I'm like a mom who would never give up. I'm a mom full of compassion. I'm a mom who's ever gracious. Would you rest in that grace? Would you find your security in me? I got off that couch on Monday night, went to the hospital to be with my wife's friend, and um, turns out it, my wife's friend wasn't actually sick. Her daughter was sick. And I saw what it looks like. I saw the face of God in this mother um, as she paced back and forth. She wouldn't leave her daughter's side. She wasn't eating. She wasn't sleeping she was perfectly healthy, but she was risking her own health. To, she was so bound up in the security of her child. And it was a really a, a beautiful thing to see. And that's the way God is w with us. God reaches 
for you, wherever you are this morning, no matter how dark, it might just be you're inside of God's grace and you can't even realize it, like the twins inside of that womb. God knows your name. He's securing your place in his grace. But it's not in your spot that you'll find your significance. You'll find your security there, but not the significance of your life. Isaiah wants us to take something else away from this passage. It's at the center of the passage. And it leads us to my second point, which is this. Your life is as big as your reach. Your life is secured in a mother's reach, but your life is as big as your reach. And this is the thing that calls us out of our perimeter. All the way through these texts, we're discovering that grace turns into service. I've said that to you before. And now we're seeing that God reaches us in his grace, and then we reach out to others in service, reach. Look at the heart of the passage. It's sort of like a pyramid, and its peak is uh, there in verse 3, where the Lord says to Isaiah, you are my servant. Now he's actually speaking to the whole nation. You are my servant Israel, in whom I will be glorified. This is your mission. But it's not enough for you just to call back the tribes of Israel. In verse 1, we hear God leading Isaiah to speak not to Israel, but beyond Israel. He says, listen to me, O coastlands. He's, he's, he's imagining the Mediterranean uh, to the west, Italy and the, the bluffs of Greece and Spain. And uh, I speak to you, Israel prophet. And then in the other uh, direction, he says, um, uh, pay attention, you peoples from far away. And he addresses himself to the great nations uh, of the east. See, And then at the end of this passage, in verse 6, we see, he says, the Lord says, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up just the tribes of Israel and restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. See, this is amazing. This is God calling Israel beyond its natural circumference, beyond its ethnic enclave to reach out to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, to cross boundary after boundary until there are no boundaries and my salvation has reached to the end of the earth. And he says, you know, it would be too light a thing for you just to serve within the religious community. That word light is a good translation. It's, it, it, it could also be translated trifling. It's just too insignificant. See, the Lord is calling Israel to a greater significance and you could, you could work really hard. You can serve yourself very actively within the circumference of your life, within that three-foot radius. You could be a great success. But if it never, your service never gets beyond that radius, what difference does it make? It's too trifling a thing. It's too light a thing. It's unworthy of the greatness of you and of the mission that I have for you, God says. Point is that your life is not about your life. This little radius of mine is too small a space for me to live in. I'm called to reach beyond it. So uh, this verse inspired all the followers of Jesus. This uh, Isaiah 49 is hugely important. It inspired Jesus. It shaped his calling. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the light of the world. You're a light to the nations. That's what Isaiah says. Remember then, Jesus turns it right around. He looks at his followers in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. All of a sudden, they're implicated in his mission. 
And then in Acts chapter 1, when uh, his disciples are getting their marching orders, they hear him say, you shall be my witness to the end of the earth. Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, keep crossing the boundaries, keep crossing the boundaries till you get to the end of the earth. That's how they understood their mission. And then the Apostle Paul, in Galatians 1, 15 and 16, he says, I was called... In my mother's womb, by the grace of God, made an apostle to the Gentiles, which just means to the nations. Everybody who follows Jesus understands their call in terms of this scope, a servant's scope. So what, would, what does it look like for you and for me? Another story about a mother. This is a mother who got the letter that nobody wants to get from a child. Last spring, a mother received a letter from a 25-year-old daughter who uh, had been kidnapped and was being held hostage by ISIS in Syria, Kayla Mueller. Tragically, she was murdered just last month. Upon announcing her murder, her parents and the President of the United States released the letter that Kayla Mueller had sent last spring to her mom. Not to explain why she died. There's no explanation for why she died. Just brutal, bestial, sectarianism. But to explain, I think, why she lived. And this is a beautiful picture of a woman who loved to reach. But listen to how she writes. This is just an excerpt from the letter in case you missed it. She writes this. Mom, Dad, I've been treated with utmost respect and kindness. See how she talks even about her captors. If you could say I have suffered at all through this whole experience, it's only in knowing how much, I suffer, how much suffering I have put you all through. I remember Mom always telling me that all in all, all, in the end, the only one you really have is God. And I've come to a place in experience where in every sense of the word, I have surrendered myself to our Creator. Because literally, there was no one else. And by God and by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall. She says, I've been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison one can be free. I am grateful. I've come to see that there is good in every situation. Sometimes we just have to look for it. I pray each day that if nothing else, you have felt a certain closeness and surrender to God as well, have formed a bond of love and support amongst one another. Give your pain to God. Cradled in free fall. What an incredible expression. What's she saying there? She's saying, find your rest in God's grace. That's where you're secure. Then her life demonstrates, extend your life through grace, sharing it with others. There are two lessons from this letter that I take. One is that suffering can shape you as a servant. She's finding something in the darkness of this experience that's making her a better person and a better servant. And Isaiah pointed to that too uh, when he said, you're formed, I am formed. The, the, verse 5, now, says the, now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant. In this dark place, these uncomfortable squeezings, these contractions on my life, these impositions, that even the darkness itself can somehow prepare me to live beyond the womb. To find life after birth. To realize that the purpose of my life is really to come out. To get out of my comfort. And into the lives of other people. To celebrate the grace of this mother. 
suffering can shape us for service. The other thing I, I take away from this is that the significance of your life is measured not by time or by years, but by reach. Here's a woman who lived 26 years, and many of us would say it was way too short. But that's a really poor measure of the impact of her life, right? I mean, just far outstrips the 26 years. We just lost an hour last night. Time is short, you know, and it can be taken away just like that. Someone decided. But what can never be taken away is the significance of your life. If you reach beyond yourself and live beyond that three foot radius in the world. And I want to say not all of us will have to go through what Kayla Mueller went through, but but you are, in fact, reaching through this church. And I got to tell you, it, it, it drives me crazy with hope for this congregation and excitement for Seattle. Um, this week, just an example of this, uh, our staff worshiped, as we oftentimes do, together, and we asked them, we said, would everyone just take an index card and write out where you've seen God at work in the last month? Uh, at the end of the day, I'm sitting there alone in my office, and I start reading these index cards, and I am bursting with joy. I just thought it'd be irresponsible for me not to share some of them, because they all reflect how you guys are reaching out in so many different ways. Uh, so let me just read the headlines, because I don't have time to read it all. But one card said, a UW student, student is led into a relationship with an Arabic-speaking Muslim on campus. This Muslim is open to conversations about Jesus. Another card says, two four-year-old children ask their teacher if they can uh, clean up the classroom. <laughs> oh, praise God. Uh, Another card, our fourth grade girls made 40 to 50 care packages, sent them to the sick and the elderly. Another card, two language institute volunteers are unknowingly led by Jesus to serve the same Gambian woman outside of their role in the program. Another card, a Lenten small group invited so many people that they have to divide into two. Another card, just a quote, your English as a second language school at UPC is famous among newcomers at University of Washington. Another card, someone makes a change in their life so that they can serve their marriage and their family better. Another card, a Japanese student who doesn't yet even know Jesus joins a small group and is going on a mission to San Francisco. <laughs> another card, three people join the cathedral choir. That's our morning choir. Uh, another card, 100 people going to Mexico with uh, students from the Seattle Urban Academy crossing racial boundaries there. What a gift. Another card. Two brain tumor patients minister to each other at Union, our church down South Lake Union. Another card. The parent of a sick child says, when I ask the question, can there be a loving God? At side by side, I hear a resounding yes. Two more. Chinese new believer invites his Muslim Saudi friend on a mission trip. Last one, a 100-year-old woman sends a Sunday school class a jar of animal crackers. Look at that. Small things and large things. You guys are reaching in wonderfully creative ways. And that's what makes UPC a significant community. That's our significance. Not that we're managing ourselves or trying to preserve ourselves or grow as a church. No, it's what we're doing out in the world. Uh, that's the measure of, of our impact. All right, so here's your assignment this week. Um, it's to cross a boundary. If you're in a small group, I want you to ask, um, and I know you are in a small group. If you're not, you've got to get in one this week. That's your assignment. But you sit in that circle this week and ask, who's not here? Who's not in our small group yet? Ask the question, what's our mission as a small group beyond ourselves? And then individually, 
I wanted to make this really specific. So here's your assignment this week. is to go get somebody's name to reach beyond your three-foot sphere, cross a boundary that you don't normally cross, and get someone's name on the other side. Just begin to build a connection to them. So what boundaries are there? Well, for me, the boundary is the one of just being too busy. It's just I can't get out there because I'm so preoccupied with my work. i got this three-foot radius. So it's, and sometimes it's my comfort. That's a boundary. Another one is sometimes it's age. It's someone's really old or really young. Uh, that's a boundary. How about ethnicity? And I want to say thank you for those of you who cross an ethnic boundary every Sunday to come and worship here because uh, you're from another country. I mean, this is we need to learn from you. This is wonderful. Um, and, and so maybe that's what you choose to do this week. Maybe it's a socioeconomic boundary, somebody who's poor or somebody who actually has money. <laughs> you can, either way, cross one of those boundaries, learn their name, and bring it back. That's your assignment. I'm so glad that I got off the couch on Monday. My Monday night has never had a significance more than I experienced on that Monday. As it turned out, the daughter that was sick had been injured in childbirth. She was suffering because she was a mom. And here's a picture for you. A couple days later, my wife took a meal over to this young family, and the husband was there. And he said, you know, um, when my wife was moved from one hospital to the next, they had to keep the baby a little bit longer in the first hospital. And so I was, went in to do the discharge. And they gave me a piece of paper. He said, frankly, I'm worried. I think I, I may have forgotten to, to check the Social Security box. I, I wrote uh, the baby's name down. But I was so eager to get the baby to the mom that I just hardly even looked at the paperwork. Because my sense was that the best thing I could do for my wife to get her healthy was to get that baby in her arms. And you know what? When you and I go out and reach, that's what we're doing. Because we got a mom in heaven who is not going to be satisfied until every one of her children, until every single name that's out there to the ends of the earth experiences her grace. Look, one last verse, verse 16. Just look over there. This is the climax for me. God says, see, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. This is the mom. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hand. That word inscribed is used of a chisel and a spike putting a name into stone. God says, it's on my hands. I will always reach you, and I will always reach through you to the ends of the age. I think this is a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. The nails of the names of the world piercing the hands of our Savior. On the cross, God himself reaches not just three feet to the right or three feet to the left, but to the ends of the earth. Will you join me in prayer? Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, one who reveals himself to us as a mother, thank you for calling us, as Isaiah said, we are those who are nothing more than those at times deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers, And yet you have secured us so tightly in your grace that someday kings shall see and stand up. Princes will lie prostrate before us because of you and what you do in and through us. So we set this week aside as a special week for us to get beyond ourselves. Would you show us how? Would you empower us to take the risk? And then would you take all the credit? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. 
To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.